Cradeline Network. Hi everyone, Conrad here. I just wanted to apologize for not having been a show for a while. I've been going through some personal stuff, including an extended stay in the hospital with a pulmonary embolism, big blood clot on my lungs, and made it hard to edit the show and get it out. So I'm, again, really sorry for gaps in Space Spinner releases. Luckily, I'm doing better now, and we should be able to start getting some episodes out at a regular clip. Thanks so much for your patience, and on with the show! Let's. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> oh no. My name is Conrad alongside my friend Fox. This is the 292nd episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for April and May 1994, Progs 884 to 887. This time, we'll flash back with Judge Dredd, finish uh-huh. up Robo Hunter, continue uh, yeah. with the clown, Luke Kirby, and mm, Babe Race 2000. Mm, two or three of those, I don't, I'm not particular for. And it. start a brand new Bradley tale. You keep giving me these anti-bangers, and all I'm asking for is bangers. No. (laughs) All I have is anti-bangers. It's 1994. This is the world we find ourselves in. (sighs) And if you want to enjoy, if you want to join us in our quest for anti-bangers, you can read some of the comics we're covering today (laughs) in Judge Dredd, The Complete Case Files 20 and the Luke Kirby Collection. You could. You could do that ah. if you if if you wanted to. There is no Babe Race collection. That's what I'm hearing. No, no, it's very sad. I'd love. Then, I'd, then I would underscore this. You could do it. <laughs> I would you make could. if you were if you were putting me in charge of Rebellion's publishing department, Fox. I would make a uh, Mark Miller in the '90s collection. Oh, with like, that's a very wide net. That's Dave a very Race, cannon fodder. It's got to be some other stuff he did that that we liked. I'm, I'm, it's escaping me at the moment, but there's, you know, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, oh, oh, uh, oh, oh, the, oh no, you brand it. It's the Space Spinner 2000 best of Mark Miller in the 90s. Dot dot yeah, dot. I think we could find. I'm, I'm positive we could find some fun ones. You know, maybe not. I'm, maybe I'm not Robo Hunter. I'm glad you feel positive about that. <laughs> I always feel positive, man. I'm here to fight. I don't <laughs> do know this, if that's... Do this stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we can read this. I did. You know, maybe there Maniac are two comics. in there. Yeah. <sighs> anyway. Oh, or Silo. You... Silo, definitely. Silo, definitely. In the house uh, yeah, Silo. But why okay. would you... Maniac 5. Woofa. Come on, he's a cyborg. All right, here we go. Anyway, enough of this. <laughs> enough of this talk. And Fox, let's talk wanna, about one of the two things that were good this time. Get to some stories as we start off with Thrill One, Judge Dread, script robot John Higgins and Alan McKenzie as Sonny Steelgrave, art robot John Higgins and Clint Langley, lettering robots a Tom Frame, I the do absolute like that boy. Tom Frame. Yeah. I do like him. He's he's my guy. 
my guy Tommy. Yeah. So John Higgins starts us off both writing on both writing and our duties for this story called Very Scales good. of Justice. Very good, like like uh, motorcycles riding out of a volcano skull. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we last saw Higgins doing art in uh, on Dread for the X Men story in early 1993, and this is his second time writing in the Prague. Actually, he previously wrote a little uh, Future Shock back in 108 in Prague 108, like in the in the you know in the old days. It was about arm transplants and aliens and stuff. Yeah, it was like there were these two astronauts and they crashed on an alien planet and like the aliens were like, oh, the, these ass, these aliens are sick. We got to help them. And so, but they, they had four, they had, all the aliens had four arms and so they attached the arms of one of the astronauts' buddies onto him, basically. And so, uh, that I, kind of this, thing. I vaguely kind of remember this. I didn't remember it until I looked back, honestly. It was a long time ago. But- Anyway, also I'll mention that I met John Higgins at a comic book convention about a year ago when this episode comes out, and that's like the cool life in England that I have, whatever. Wonderful. Yeah. Anyway, we like you said, Fox, we see a pair of judges riding out into the cursed earth as a sunset skull volcano glows behind them. Meanwhile, in some kind of a weird cult cave, a worm-eaten judge corpse presides over a trial where literal scales are weighed and some dude gets electrocuted as drobed figures chant, Judge the perp! Judge the perp! Yeah. I mean, worms coming out of his eyes and stuff. It's not, yeah. it's not a good look. Mm-hmm. In Mega City 1, a distress signal comes in for Judge Dredd, and he's headed out to the cursed earth with rookie oh, Judge yeah. Hammond in tow. Not even a hot dog. This is a straight-up rookie. Yeah, well, I like this because it's sort of carrying on from last episode when we saw a grad that graduation ceremony that mm-hmm, Magruder hosted mm-hmm, with mm-hmm, all these mm-hmm. rookie judges. Um, in the magazine, also, we're seeing rookies. We actually had a check-in with um, rookie judge Giant, or maybe we'll be about to do that, but that's happening oh, soon. Man. Nothing had better happen to my beautiful boy. Uh, judge Giant is too perfect. Absolutely. But so it means that we're just sort of seeing these baby judges out here, and I think that's kind of fun. Well, I mean, that's all they've got almost. <laughs> pretty much. Well, you know, they definitely need new ones for sure. Um, anyway, we get some pretty good Cursed Earth vistas as the judges head out into the wilderness. Higgins doing some great landscape stuff here. That night at a mutant raider camp, some baddies are divvying up spoils, including uh, hostages that they've taken, prisoners and so yeah. forth. When yeah, they suddenly, this one's a lady. Yeah. When they suddenly come under attack from arrows, a couple cloaked people hunt the raiders down, saving captured ladies and taking out runners. The next day, the judges find the bodies, and one of them's a human kid, a Justice Department student. A dip. And Jed talks about how an H-Wagon must have uh, like crashed 18 months ago, and so now they're checking it out. Which he also, him, like, yeah. why? I, I mean, I guess, like, you take the H-Wagon, you get all the kids that are, like, not rookies, but, like, in training out of the city. Yeah, when it could have been for the Apocalypse when, War. When like Apocalypse, it, it could have been anything, right? Like, yeah. you want to get them out so that they're not, like, dead. They're the new stock, right? Yeah. But uh, it's kind of, like, ambiguous. Yeah, Dreads kind of says Apocalypse War, but that's not right, because that was, like, a long time yeah, ago. that was, like... I think it's uh, these kids would be like fucking 
like 20 years old. Yeah. I'd say it's more just sort of general, um, like, like, like it seems like there are some miscommunications in this part, but I'd honestly just even chalk it up to sort of a field trip that went wrong or maybe Necro or maybe, uh, Oh, def- like Necropolis or Judgment Day also. There. Judgment Day, yeah. Just because oh. Judgment Day uh, grounded all the planes or and like, stuff like that. Or like Grice coming in and like having a a, a death yeah. alien species, right? Whatever. Like you'd want to get some. There's so many reasons to get the, the, the new stock out yeah. of the area. Just evacuate some baby judges every now and then. Anyway. Then raiders attack them. And this is a mistake because the judges start kicking their asses pretty quickly. There's one main raider who's got the like a hood ornament or like uh, like a Mercedes or a, of or a, a Chrysler of a, of a Chrysler. And then he's got a bunch of like a reflector mirrors and stuff bolted onto his head as well. Hey, listen, if there's one thing that you learn from Fallout, it's uh, grab a bunch of the stuff that was there and then make it adornments for your weird Raider armor. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Stay tuned for my Fallout reference later in this Dread uh, recap. Anyway, nice. they're fighting and there's some weird monsters looking on as well. I mean, it's the it's the rad wastes, bud. Yeah. A blood red cursed earth sunset lights the judges mopping up the raiders when Hammett is suddenly attacked by some Geiger wolves. Okay. Dread comes after him, but finds that the judge has gone missing his helmet left behind. And then that the main raider has been shreed on top of a spire of rocks by a wolf. And Dread goes to help him. Elsewhere, Hammett wakes up to find himself strapped down, some kids charging him with gross negligence, preparing to let the scales of justice decide his fate. They must be the cadets from the distress signal. And I guess now they've got like a full like a little lamplight with um, some Egyptian weighing of. Egyptian afterlife, you know, weighing your soul for whatever's um, stuff I, going on here. When it seems like two of them are older than the other ones. Yeah, the there's some. Least. There's two. There's like a boy and a girl, like ringleader cadet, and then everybody else seems younger and more impressionable. Yeah, they have the conch now. So yeah, yeah, yeah this is Lord of Fly shit, one hundred percent. You're right. Hammett says they're there to help them, but the boy kid doesn't want to hear it and asks, hey, where's your precious Judge Dredd now, huh? Oh, enter JD. Yeah, answer right here with that Chrysler Raider tied up in tow. (laughs) Most of the kids are happy to see him, but this main kid still wants to judge them. And then he just basically just straight up mercs um, Hammett with the electricity from the scales. Which, I mean, buddy, that's just calling for you to get murked. Yeah. So and then because he outnumbers Dredd, they out they tie him down and uh, prepare to judge him as well. Dredd apparently reluctant to kill all these kids by hand, I guess. I mean, at least he's showing some restraint. I do like how Dredd also says, like, you're mad at me for leaving you? If you were a real judge, you would have just walked out of the cursed earth. Yeah, I did you it. didn't take the long walk. I did it without any skin on my body, kid. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, fucking really. Anyway, as this is happening, the raider breaks free, and the boy, Jason, tries to shoot the raider with Hammett's gun, but it's, of course, the lawgiver, so it explodes in his hands, you dummy. Well, and, like, you'd think that's one of the first lessons that they teach, where it's, like, lawgiver 101. Yeah, I don't know why anybody picks Don't grab another dude's lawgiver. Well, a citizen? Sure, whatever. Maybe they don't know, or 
Like it's all just rumor, but definitely like a, a judge in training. It's like, you gotta know that. And so yeah. why? I just noticed that this has actually been happening a moderate amount recently. I feel like if you, I feel like we've seen it at least once oh, or yeah. twice in the last couple months, whereas I feel like it was years before it had happened previously, I guess. Well, that's an important thing. You know? I mean, I think it's definitely Can't something to grab re-up. A dude's gun. Yeah, I wonder if, like, literally, I, I, I forget, but I wonder if this will become a plot point at some point in the future where, like, you know, it becomes very important that they know that we know that this is something that can happen. So we've got a lampshade it early or something like that. I, uh, I'll take a counterpoint to that. I think yeah. that this is a fan talking about something, you know? Yeah, it's true. And I, I'll uh, notice that is I, in the, I, yeah. I really feel like, you know, especially with how much we've read these anthologies, Sometimes things are important and we're like, ah, yeah, jazzed on it. Let's see more of this. Mm-hmm. It's going to go somewhere and then it randomly doesn't, a la what you told me last episode with. Yeah. Like, hey, guess uh, the, what? This isn't going to go anywhere. The China stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I just wonder if I, if, I don't know, I, I'd have to go back and check, but I wonder if there's something where like when they were commissioning a bunch of dread stories, like one of the requests was like, hey, and like have the gun thing happen in this one or that, something. That I would imagine is true. Right. Where it's um, like, let's get more of this lore in there. Yeah. So um, then the girl lead cadet goes to cut dread free by using his boot knife and then breaks the circuit on the scales of justice. The day is saved. Um, but in the end, there's only because in the end, there's only one law in these parts, Fox, and that's goddamn Judge Dredd. And meanwhile, the mutant is tied up back in the cave where he'll stare forever, staring down the maggoty face of that one judge that they had. Yeah, judge he's, he's pretty gross. And also it's like the the side cut of JD. Yeah. No. He's looked similar before. Yeah, def, uh, you know, I will say this one, re- while it is interesting that Higgins wrote it as well, this one is really a just a showcase for Higgins's art oh, yeah. landscapes and stuff. He really does. Plus, plus all- cue up Evanescent, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> Can't wake up. But uh, I wake up inside. I do think it's really interesting just how, like, just looking at his art style and stuff, there are these big, like, like, just the 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 colors in the background and stuff. Like, these are very, like, there's, there's just a lot of different colors and, um, and, like, painting effects going on in these ones that I think is really cool. Anyway, next up, Alan McKenzie's uh, writing and, uh, Di- and uh, Dino Steve's Clint Langley take over for this story, and The and Enemy Below. And it looks pretty good because it's pretty gross. Yeah, no, I think they definitely got the right artist for this for the for the monsters and stuff. Although, at, you know, like I've got listen, Fox, I've got my concept of what the optimal on model Judge Dread uniform is, and if I have a contention with Langley's, it's that he um has the eagle sort of attached to Dread's forearm ba- or to mm, to Dread's forearm basically, not the shoulder. Yeah, so that when Dread stands at like sort of stands normally, the eagle is not parallel with the ground. And to my mind, like the wings of the eagle should be parallel with the ground when you're sort of standing normally. Interesting. An on model Dread uniform. I can't stress enough though. That's just my personal taste. That's not actually built on anything. You know, that's that's my version. It's a a pauldron, right? Like it needs to sit on the shoulder. I yeah exactly that's sort of my version of uh, John Burtis's um the the change to have seven links basically also <laughs> once once we get there what the fuck's going with Magruder 
Yeah, no, we'll get to that. Okay. Um, <laughs> this story is called The Enemy of Below, and it's a bit of a flashback, actually, soon after the events of Inferno. Um, we learned that disasters come in threes in Mega City One, as we see Judge Tors scuba diving through the flooded ISO cubes in the basement of the Grand Hall of Justice. There's something goopy down here. Yeah, there's bodies of perps flo- floating around, but also something with big scary teeth. Dread and Hershey are called to the scene. They need to get someone down here to turn this valve to finally drain these dang cubes. Um, drain and- cubes. Oh, yeah. And as they do this, they also worry that Magruder is still in a coma following the events of Inferno when she was tossed off the side of the border wall and stuff. Yeah. Like that. So it's not this is not a recent thing. Then. No, like, no. This I, is a I, flashback. That's the feeling yeah. I got. But, you know, no, this feels like a flashback to maybe 30 issues or so ago, sort of right after Inferno, because the yeah. Grand Hall is still flooded and Magruder sort of still recovering from her injuries from that story. Right. Um, meanwhile, we see her preserved in an extremely Warhammer 40,000 style life support oh, system. Oh, yeah. Complete they're, with movie windows. Yeah, they're tossing a thousand psychers a day into her, into that thing to keep her alive, Fox. Oh, my God. <laughs> Gotta have a lot of babies that are also psychic in order to make it. Absolutely, yeah. The We see tech judges fretting, like they say she's really tough to still be alive, but they're very worried about the lasting effects of both her injuries, the alien plague, and just um, like this coma on her mental state and like whether her brain exists at all And at this point. But the judges are also like one tech is like, oh, but she'd be insane. The other judge is like, buddy, don't write that down. Yeah, don't. <laughs> you definitely don't write that down. <laughs> Yeah. That's your boss. And then they're going to read the report and then your ass is grass. Plus, we know they're crazy. So, you know, you got to be careful. Yeah. Um, uh, Judge Browning is now going into the cubes and finds a giant hole leading directly to the Mega City One sewers and then comes under attack from an unknown source. There's nothing else for it. They, like, pull him in. Something shoot him up and stuffed his mouth full of dead human tissue, which is gross. Only one man can solve this problem, Fox. I I mean, I'd say who dat, but it's JD. Underwater action, Judge Shred. New action figure available. I mean, it's just a respirator on his face. So, really, you're buying, like the supplementary kit to attach to the main doll. No, you know no, you, mean? yeah. Well, well, you know, you sell a whole separate one. I know how these action figures work. You do sell a whole separate one and you got to have and, like a, tanks on the back. Yeah. Yeah. It's got some, it's got some tanks. It's got some water accoutrement. It's got like a, like a law giver with a trident on it that you lose you immediately. Ever, that kind of stuff. Do you ever see like the, the rock or the or, or stone cold the action figures that they had where it was like quote uh like secrete sweat and you like Whoa. press a thing on them and then like the goo that you put in their back shoots out like like moistens that is that is a lot Pop it's a lot goo i did see the uh wwe did did a did a uh a crossover with he-man at one point which is pretty solid and had really? like uh like a big, like macho man, like uh, also. Well, there is no equal. Also, machine guy or something like that, you know. Machine guy. I don't. I forget which all of these different he guys man? are what. You know, several Ultimate Warriors. I feel like 
You had a Goldberg in there too. Got a Kane who's got fire powers. But different stuff. <laughs> All right. Anyway, sorry, wrestling. Anyway, Dread swims down underwater. Saul seems well, except for some partially eaten bodies. And then he's confronted by a giant purple murder fish. Oh no! Yeah, it's got really long teeth. I feel like uh, the, it has the angler fish problem. You know? Yeah. It'll it'll find a way. We get some inner thoughts from the monster itself, how it's not just eating corpses, but thinks that the judges that come swimming down there are its friends. So it's trying to feed them, too, by way of a gross feeder tube full of human flesh. I feel like it's doing a bad job. Yeah. Dread confronts the beast and opens fire with a gun that's got a barrel big enough to fit your head into the tomb. The shot's so powerful it rocks the foundations of the Grand Hall of Justice. And Hershey orders him to withdraw, but Dread refuses. And we can finally get the scope of this massive monster, and it's disturbingly big. So she's a stand-in for the chief judge, and he's refusing her orders. Feels like a little bit. Yeah, I mean. A little weird. Listen. While Dredd follows the law, I think we can all agree that he's also kind of a loose cannon who sort of keeps his own counsel and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I mean, he, he gets results. Killed, he's he's killed Cal before. You know what I mean? Right. Well, so honestly, most chief judges, like at mm, least half them, he's killed at least two that I know of, which is around no. four or five. Griffin. Mm hmm. I, he killed Zombie Silver, I guess. That still counts. That still counts. If you're counting Zombie Silver, then yes, yes. The only, the only chief judges we've seen that haven't been killed by Dread or a direct Dread associate like Fergie killing Cal was Judge the initial chief judge, Judge Goodman, who was killed by uh by, by Cal, and mm. then uh, Magruder herself. So good times. Anyway, I, that's what, I'm, I'm just saying an agent of, I, you know, it's an extension of him. Yeah. So I'm just saying. Yeah. And so that probably means that, you know, if he thinks a order from a superior is uh, not advised, he will keep his own counsel, I suppose. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, at um, least half the time. Yeah. <laughs> Techs are looking over the body of Magruder, concerned that she'll never wake up, wake up. And Dredd has found the problem with the pumps and goes to fix it. But this will cause a power surge and take the Grand Hall offline for a couple of minutes, which includes Magruder's life support. Oh, no. Wake me up inside. Yeah. Dredd tosses a dead body at the monster to distract and then hits a switch. There's a big arc of lightning and everything goes dark. But then emergency power comes back on. The water level starts to drop. And the chief judge is awake. Oh, look at that. What uh, what amazing timing for the writing here. Yeah, she likes two pillows. Thank you very much. Um, And the day is saved and Dredd's pulled out of the maw of the beast all covered in gore. He'll take a sonic shower instead of a bath, please. He's had enough water for a while. I mean, I'd, I'd still take a hot shower, but, you know. Taking sci-fi showers instead. Anyway, next time on Dredd, clumsy block. I, it sounds funny. I, this we'll was see. fine. This was fine. I love how the the Sinosit stuff. It's just like no, yeah, no. Well, you know, we're just sort of jumping from diff- from one story to another and stuff like that. I really like just that they brought in some uh, really like off the wall painters for this section of the episode. You know, Higgins. Oh yeah, it looks really good. And um, yeah, Higgins and Langley just really sort of have really distinct looks. I think that. Um, really just show you sort of what's available for dread after some more sort of grounded artists, I guess, like, mm-hmm, like Smith and mm-hmm, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. 
But speaking of things that are not grounded, Fox. No, not at all. It keeps going below the ground. It keeps going deeper. Far too deep. It's yeah. in too deep. While too. also flying and so forth, it's thrill to loop the journal of Luke Kirby. Oof. Didn't do it right. Uh, no, no, listen. Luke the Journal of Luke Kirby Sympathy for the Devil, part six with Luke starring Luke. Let me let me start again. Thrill to Journal of Luke Kirby. There we go. Sympathy for the devil. Sympathy for the devil. I'm yeah. gonna feel some things for the devil. Gonna feel a little bit of sympathy for the devil. <laughs> robot Alan McKenzie, <laughs> Art Robot, Steve Parkhouse, Nick Abadzis, and Gina Hart. Letting Robot, Annie Parkhouse. I can't wait for the devil to like say, hey, Luke, take a look at me. And then he does that little like, you know, three fingers down, but you make a circle with your index finger and your thumb and you like put it on your knee and it's like, ah, gotcha. Oh, he's playing the game. Oh, yeah, man. Ex- exactly. And you're like, man, I'm trying to have sympathy for you, devil, but you keep trying to like you know, ice me, you know, I, I got to drink down this, uh, this Smirnoff ice. You keep giving me the game symbol. Oh my God. Like you're, you're talking about your, uh, you're like trying to be edgy about like, well, what if, uh, if make America great again was actually a good slogan. And you're like, I don't like this. Whoa. I don't like what you're doing here. Devil. Speaking of slogans for me, that, um, okay. Symbol with your fingers pointed down is, uh, the symbol for Cerro Miedo. <laughs> Or Cero Miedo, which is a no fear or zero fear. The the uh, damn the catchphrase of one of my favorite wrestlers, uh, Pentagon Junior or Pentagon Dark. Now, what is this uh, zombie skull skeleton uh, luchador wrestler who breaks people's arms? He's awesome. Everything that you just said was really cool. God, I miss the days of Atomic Heel Turn and Lucha Underground. I wish I'd been able to finish up that podcast, Fox. Uh, lost to the winds of the internet. It's a very, all of the things you said were cool. A zombie skeleton man who breaks people's arms. Yeah. <laughs> no, Pent- cool. yeah. Lucha Underground is a good show. And now he's uh, on AEW, one of the Lucha Bros. Anyway, after taking a break for the grudge father, Luke Kirby's back. And he's making his way through his own personal hell, helped by the devilish and possibly literally the devil, Jack Hobb. They're I, definitely, literally, definitely the devil. Yeah. They're in a dark forest, Luke forming a light to guide the way ma- magically. And he does a bunch of, uh, the devil does a bunch of like touching his fingers and pointing and stuff. Yeah. Jack mentions Luke's uncle Elias and warns him that his uncle's been wandering through hell all the time recently. Well, it's it's very good that he's warning him about his uncle Elias. Indeed. Jack says that forests loom large in the uh, for the Kirby family. You know, it's where his dad disappeared and where Luke himself kind of became a wizard and stuff like that. You're a wizard, Among Luke. Other things subtextually that we'll just move on from. No, I mean, you know. Um, Luke goes like- further in and starts to relive parts of summer magic, but this time he's different and he can use magic to explode attacking dogs. He does, he does a attacking whole crack. Dogs. Yeah, cracks him up. But when Elias suddenly appears, he's also much bigger and more bestial than he was. Then he's just a full werewolf bro here. Though when Elias then turns back into human, he is fully clothed this time. I'm just saying. Um, Elias yeah. compliments Luke for his McGickle strength and warns him about Jack, saying that he'll run you all over the netherworlds until you make a mistake and then you'll be his. 
I mean, he seems... Well, Elias seems to just be able to get around wherever the hell he wants down yeah, here. He he's seems got... pretty comfortable in hell, if you know what I mean. He seems That's pretty true. all right with being in hell. He seems like he's having a good time down there. I wonder why that would be. I wonder why Elias would have a good time in hell, why he's able to get around as much as he is and escape a bunch of torment. Hmm, very strange. Hmm. Indeed. Anyway, moving on. Anyway, it seems Jack is now looking for Luke, calling his name, and Elias tells Luke to use his power to find his father instead of relying on Jack and disappears into a portable hole. And Luke runs to the woods. <laughs> like like from Acme. Like yeah. from uh like from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Exactly. Or D D. I guess D D got it from Looney Tunes, so it's fine. Yeah. Luke hides in the woods as Jack comes looking for him. He can only rely on his own power to find his father. Luke tries to look at Jack's aura, but it causes him to like explode out of his hiding place. Flipping heck. Yeah, don't don't go looking at other people's auras without chasing asking. waterfalls. He centers Luke oh. centers himself <laughs> and then looks deep into the depths of hell, finding for a moment his father chained to a rock. But he's further I'm, below. So Luke he's left not a, chained to a rock. It was a rock lobster. B-52s. Oh, man. He, he's down below. So Luke left to go to the lower levels of hell on his own to find him. Searching his way, he finds a tall, like a, a gorge between two cliff faces, an old tree bridging the gap. He goes to walk across it, but the tree starts to break beneath his feet. And he's hanging on by a root when Jack appears above him, his eyes glowing red. He says, hey, either come up here and we'll go on our quest together leave hell and or i'll save you now and you can leave hell without your dad forever or there's a third option you don't want to know that third option okay but it seems like Thanks. luke does because he tells jack to go to hell and jack obliges his face becoming more bestial and then he horks out a gout of flame sending luke falling to the ravine below and on the subject of looney tunes it is kind of a wily e. coyote style yeah that's a goofy yeah. thing, but same different. But hey, no worries, buddy. Luke can fly even over this. Um, he <laughs> zips over to the lower level of hell, finding some troll type dudes stapled to some boulders. This is the realm of Shrixus, the demon no, that no, has no, Luke's no, father. No, no. It's it's Shrixus or Thrixus. No, no, no. It's it's Shrixus. Anyway, Luke continues on finding a shabby-looking house with a big neon sign outside. Yeah, it's Shrixus' place. Yeah. He heads in and shows his card to this slobby dude at the front desk. The card is a flaming ace of hearts with a sword through it, Fox. Could have fooled. I mean, there's no A on it, so I always get very confused about it. Like, is it an ace of hearts, or is it just a heart with a sword through it with a heart in the corner? I mean, like there's a, just you gotta one. got to have an A on it in order for it to be an ace. Is that true? Yes. I don't. Okay, fair enough. Listen, I I don't know the ins and outs of gambling school the way you do. You don't just put one on a card and say it's an ace. You know what I mean? There. Because this, it can be so many things. Yeah, it's a calling card, I guess. And this seems to work as Luke is brought into the back room private office where he meets Shrix, who's not Shrix, Shrixus. Yeah, and he goes, yeah, he's kind of this lizard looking guy with a tail, but wearing like shirt sleeves and a vest. Okay, acknowledged. His tongue is out the whole time in front of this child. It's a big lizard man. It's a, uh, he's yeah, a, but in he's front a of a child, it's a little weird. 
That's just how he's just tasting the air. Maybe just stick that tongue in your mouth when you're talking to it. How his people does it. Luke asks okay. to see his father and Shrixis pulls a curtain and we see Luke's dad, who's gaunt and unconscious, wired to some kind of giant machine. His hands are in robo gloves. There's a bowl that goes over his slumped head and some kind of ominous cod I piece. mean, they're sucking out his goo. Yeah, exactly. His dad goo. Doesn't doesn't matter what goo it is, they're going to suck it out of him. That's right. Oh, give me your goos. Because you, you got you to gotta re-up your goo by doing a munch. All your goo are belong to us. Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, listen, it's he's probably also got, I mean, with his neck craned over like that, he's probably got really serious spinal issues. Plus, oh, no. he's not sitting, you know? Oh, yeah. Not not an ergonomic workplace. Luke no. approaches his father, but Rude. then there's an explosion of hellfire when he gets too close and shrixes. With no tongue coming out until mm. he starts talking to his dad again. Yeah. The yeah. tongue, very sexual. He says that Luke's dad has been supplying power to this level of hell for several years, but now he's like been all gooed out. So it's time for Luke to take his place. God, we got to <laughs> get your goo. Yeah, he unhooks the dad from the machine and prepares to dispose of him when suddenly Jack appears there too. Luke can like, only no. stay here if he wants to. Can't can't have this boy, lizard people. Oh, I'm a part of the shadow government. You can't fuck with me. Yeah, but I mean, this boy. Huh? Yeah, Shrixus laughs and says that Jack has no power here, but it seems he does if Luke helps him, and the two of them power up and shoot beams at the demon. Fzack! He's disintegrated. Okay. So to be clear, what they are doing here is... Um, Hold on, Conrad, while I... No problem. Kamehameha-ing him? No, no, it's not a Kamehameha. It's also not a special beam cannon. Uh, It could be uh, a bang beam. It could also be an atomic blast, kind of. But I believe an atomic blast is mostly done through the finger itself. Um, So I'm going to say this is a big... Or a bang beam, or specifically... The Big Bang attack, although that is done with open palms, he's done it with clothes. Nice. This feels like a quadruple Big Bang. I'm or probably a bang beam, honestly. Beaming these bangs, Fox. Oh, no. You know what? Uh, I'm sorry. Bang beam was actually finger guns. So what do you base? What, what what document are you looking at for these attacks? I must know. Uh, I mean, it's Vegeta's list of moves. Ah, ooh, it's still Dragon Ball. See the spe- see the special beam cannon. You have to put your index finger and your middle finger to your temple, and then you concentrate a bunch of key, and then you point it at someone, and then you say special beam cannon, and then a bunch of circles, fox, and then also a laser. Fox, I've talked about pro wrestling like three times so far in this podcast, and I'm bored. Let's go. Uh, listen, buddy. <laughs> if I if we're going to have laser beams shooting out of hands, I'm going to go straight to my Dragon Ball. Fair. And sometimes Dragon Ball Z, because that's where all the beams get shot, and it's dumb. Uh-huh. Because Dragon Ball is dope as hell, but Dragon mm. Ball Z is very boring, and also a bunch of stuff about like going to the past into the future and shit. And also Goku had a heart disease. Anyway, let's talk about something I don't want to talk about. Yeah. Hyperbaric hell chamber. Uh, Luke goes <laughs> to check on his father and says, he'll be okay. Like I've, I've helped you. 
Uh, Jack offers Luke a job as the ruler of the seventh level of hell. And when Luke says instead he's going home with his dad, Jack says he can't let that nah, happen. Nah, he's wiggling his finger around. He says, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, you didn't say the magic word. Next uh, time, uh, uh. Prince of Lies. I mean, is that not the devil? Yeah. So I called it from a long time ago. I feel this like it was Lucifer. Yeah, they didn't really make a lot of efforts to hide it, honestly. Especially okay, by right. calling this story Sympathy for the Devil. And then very early on, Jack introduces him, like literally sings the or says the first couple lines of the song Sympathy for the Devil while introducing himself. I mean, I called it earlier than that. I called it, it was my lock, and you will not uh, tell me that I wasn't right. I oh, was absolutely. Right. No, I agree with you. I just think it's also one of those ones where like you bet a dollar on the on the bet, you get like 10 cents for it or something like that. Well, you know? You know, that's a dollar and 10 cents, you dangus. Absolutely. And hey, speaking of betting on sports events, Fox... Oh, my God. I bet against the world. Let's go to Thrill 3 Big Race 2000. I really wish they hadn't cut the Paris part. You know, it's fine enough. Script robot Mark Miller, art robot Anthony Williams, letting robot Annie Parkhouse. We see the Eiffel Tower in flames as the Babe Race nears Rome. The So, so Conrad, before yeah. you really get into it, mm. I... Uh, I didn't pay attention. I was like, ooh, Eiffel Tower on fire. And so as soon as I started reading the Italian, we're supposed to be Italian, Mm -hmm. I started reading it as dumb person. The Eiffel Tower burns like the candle. The city (laughs) of Paris lies in ruin. And that was like my head text. And then it was like, oh, they're in Italy. The Eiffel Tower burns like the candle. That's right. It's like, okay. The Italian military prepares to defend their city, their wives, and their bambinos as the uh, Babe race approaches. And I apologize for this racism, but it's, you know, that's just how it goes. That's uh, that's the part that made me realize that they were doing the Italians. And I was like, Mm. oh, my God, no. Anyway, all is not safe even among the race, though. The among babes, us? Well, among just, us? Yeah, exactly. Some of these among babes us. are pretty... Are who's, pretty who's the traitor? Some of these babes are pretty sus, Fox, as they shoot and kill each other oh, as they go. Spud you know kicks, memes. kicks one onto the hood of Texas Teaser's oh, car, which has retractable then, spikes that pop out of it and kill her. Who plans that your engine block has spikes in it? Feels part of the course, honestly. It's very good. The babes hit the Italian line, and it's no good for these guys. There's a lady who's got a a kid on her back, sort of a a lone wolfess and cub lady, um, lopping off heads with a katana. Joy Hogg has a pistol and a blowtorch in either hand, shooting and burning people. It's very cool. There's boobs in the foreground as a news chopper takes it all in. And I mean, basically what our... I mean, nipples so hard you could call them bolts. Must be cold in northern in um in central Italy that time no, of year. No, man, I just think the carnage turns these people on. Finally, um, Joy Ha Arboba teaser takes out another racer with a decapitating trip line, which I like. Very good, very pa- good. Pair of Scottish ladies try to take out Joy, but it seems like she put timed explosives in their breakfast that morning. So she checks her watch and then they explode. That's good. 
planning. And here's the thing. These Scottish people come, they write up, and they're like, hey, you know what? We like all these things. It's like cooking, sewing, like helping out handicapped children. When we win, we're going to help uh, by sending all that money to the like third world stuff. And then it's just like, yep, check my watch. You're about to explode. That's how it goes. Um, Joy Hog fangirl Alex is impressed, but also almost gets herself killed. And then Joy saves her. Spud's hey. one of these ladies, Spud, who's like an, an Irish babe racer, is worried Which, that Joy has a partner. Right. But Texas teaser is not worried as she smokes on her cigar or cigarillo, uh, yeah. I guess. Turns out uh, Texas teaser and Spud working together. Oh, my God. Other people are working together. Can you- That's right. The Bay Brace continues now nearing Beirut as a desert rabbit looks on in terror and is crushed. The Katana lady kills one rider and then she and her kid are killed in turn by a Molotov cocktail from Spud. So so first child murder. First of this entire thing. Love it. Ah, Love love to see some kid murder because uh, it means no holds barred. Yeah. Alex is bummed by this, but Joy's oh. just like, ah, that's it's a, like, the oldest oh, no. trick in the book, bringing your kid. Yeah, it's a pity play that, well, it's because it's not even associated that the kid is hers. She's like, yeah, they're bringing the kid for the sympathy points so that someone doesn't actually shoot them or whatever. It's dead. They do. <laughs> halfway through, they're now halfway through the race, and the babes have arrived at the first pit stop. But Texas teaser drives around it instead through a town full of people running it all, running them all down and stuff. Oh, yeah. No. So even more violence towards just innocence. Yeah, and fine. Uh, and like, listen, if Texas teaser is not going into the pit stop. Yeah, you shouldn't either. Join Alex, go to Dodge, and then the pit stop fully explodes. The gals continue on, eventually reaching some snowy mountains. But when they come to a, a, a crevasse. A local, it's literally the Himalayas. Yeah, <laughs> or a if local, you're from the UK, the Himalayas. Himalayas. Ooh, the, but a, and and a local tells them that the bridge over this chasm was destroyed by Teaser and Spud. Joy scopes. I mean, the by scene. that point, there would be enough Everest climbers that you could just use their corpses to pile into the ravine to actually build a bridge. Absolutely. Joy scopes the scene, casually killing a redheaded rider, just kicking her off the side. Oh no, that also working with them. Yeah, like no, one of their buddies. Like, no, it's time to kill this person. Yeah. A local tells Alex that there's something about her, that she's not what she seems. And Joy powers up her bike and just jumps the chasm by going real fast, as you do. Alex goes to join her, and we see that as she does, she shot the local in the forehead. What's going on here? Ooh, dirty secret. Yeah. Also ba- glistening butts. Finally, so many. The Bay Brace has reached the border into Thailand as Teaser sits on her car as Spud comes over with a bunch of vodka bottles that she's beat up some dudes for, basically. They've been teaming up till sure. now, but... Oh, sorry, good. Oh, no, I said sure. Yeah, but Texas Teaser has had enough. She shoots the bottles so that the alcohol soaks Spud and then, you know, John Woo style, like flicks a match at her and she just catches on fire and burns merrily. Mm, what you say? Exactly. Oh, well, you only burnt well. Well, of course you did. Meanwhile, Alex is coming out of the bathroom and Teaser's there as well and just machine guns a bunch of rounds into her. Oh, no. Oh, God, she's really uh, Swiss cheesed. 
Yeah. Joy rushes over and finds, oh my gosh, Alex is a man, baby. And does a little cry about it. Yeah, or at least, she, or, like or at least, is, the, yeah. This is the thing, what I love about this. It's like, I couldn't, I couldn't be a part of Babe Race as a man. Yeah. So I decided to dress as and live as a woman because I loved this Babe Race so much that you were a part of. And this one Babe Racer, Joy Hogg, in particular. Yeah, and I love you. I love you so much. I, it's like that. That So there's this first part of it where I'm like, oh, my God, like interesting trans discussion. And then the second part where it was like, I really love you. And it's like, OK, you don't need to make it like a, a not this other thing, whatever. It was just like it was this cool thing where it's like you inspired me to do this, but I couldn't do it if I still had my junk. You know, I think he's still I think I think the character think the love is still has their junk because they talk about how it's done by, it down by makeup and sticky tape. So that implies a sort of, uh, uh, you know, packing situation or whatever. Well, but I mean, but that like clearly wants to be a part of Babe Race. I, I don't know. Absolutely. I, no, not I, that Babe I, Race is trying to say anything highbrow here. <laughs> I would 100% agree with you if you wanted to make sort of a progressive 2022 reading of Babe Race. This is definitely right there for you. Well, especially because it's got a whole, um, I was about to say La Femme Nikita. It's got this whole. Um, I mean, that's that's a valid M- reference because that M- movie is M- out by now on positive. Well, so so MTV's uh, the um, uh, Aeon Flux. It's got the whole Aeon Flux look. You could really like take this like mix it with some Aeon Flux and you'd get some really interesting commentary. Yeah, the, like. yeah, I mean these these characters definitely have that long, lanky, um hyper muscular, high-waisted like hyper- high-waisted one-piece kind of look that over overly Aeon Flux like has. Over, overly thin but also overly muscular, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, there's a I mean there's a lot of references packed into Babe Race for sure. I and I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So Alex dies in Joy's arm and the Bay Bracer gets back on her hog with a giant gun. Now it's personal. And she goes to take Teaser out once and for all. Reaching the coast of Thailand, Joy and Teaser are having a running gun battle through the streets, exchanging bullets and barbs. They yell at each other. And Teaser sideswipes Joy into a caution flaming truck. <laughs> but Joy leaps out of her bike at the last minute and oh, onto yeah. the back of Teaser's car. car. Yeah. yeah. And inside the cockpit of the vehicle, they fight around as the car drives over the surface of the ocean, I guess, taking out this smashes. junk boat full of refugees as they go. Yeah, no, full of children and parents and like sad people and just kills all of them. It, it, what a good it time. Is, it is just the fucking worst. Suddenly, the car is about to explode, and Joy hits the the ejector seat, escaping just as it goes. Teaser falls into the sea as several sharks are coming her way. She begs Joy for help as she's dragged under. Joy lands on the shore and makes her way through the surf, but once she does, she sees that Teaser is right behind her. She killed those sharks. There are only three of them, you hear me? Only three of them. It, it takes more than three. What are basically water bears to kill this one? That's pretty badass, honestly. It like, is awesome, and I love that they don't be like a good action. I love that they don't even show it. It's like, yeah, 
No, no, you just by assume the time, that they did it. By the time that I was put into the water and you were like <clears throat> parachuting to safety and then eventually washed up on shore, that amount of time, I I killed three sharks, swam to shore with all of my like like different parts of my legs and body missing. And, and now I'm we're going to fight. Kick your ass. Yeah. <laughs> Next time on Bay Race 2000, shark bait. So listen, Conrad. Yeah. I love Bay Race. It's fun. You know. It, it's, for, oh, sorry, it's, the, it's the most happy thing. Like, so I didn't read it until the end. I read everything else before <laughs> I read Bay Race, just so that I would have a good time when I ended the comic. Sure. Before the show, we talked about how I think we would both really like just more Babe Race. Like this could have been like twice as long and just had it like could a, have been more introductions of the racers, you know, destroy more landmarks and stuff like that. Just more mayhem generally. Like I, this and, feels and very rushed. What, I agree. That would, That's what blows my mind, because like the whole purpose of it is on the surface, it's very, very much about like looking at. Uh, attractive very muscular women right Mm -hmm. and it's not trying to say anything like you know uh pollution is bad it's got no underlying theme or message oh no it it is just that they are babes and they are are going to and are going to kill each other right that's that's the entire premise that to me is very beautiful because of its simplicity and it really delivers on that other than the I would have loved to see more destruction and more character characterization, right? Like build out. Yeah. Like like wacky races. You get parts of wacky races where you see all of the different characters in their cars doing their thing and interacting with other characters. Yeah. Like I would have actually I would have liked a moment like a pit stop where yeah. things could be peaceful for a second. We could learn some more about characters before then they Absolutely. go to kill to kill each other and stuff like that. You I know. don't want more clown. I want more Babe Race. Oh, man. You know. Yeah. I will say 100 percent. I was very skeptical of Babe Race. I'm on record for that. I- but. No, it I know. Really, I was I was worried because of how you were like, oh, it's Babe Race. And I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be. I was just down really on naughty. It, it's not it, it. I would say that it is not it. It's not the most feminist thing that's ever been made, obviously. But mm. it's also not the most like hyper sexualized thing. I'll say that it it sets out to hit it's got it's got three like USPs, Fox, three unique selling points. All right. Like, pr- like attractive ladies, raw mm. violence, and mm. cool vehicles, and I think it hits yeah. all three. And and I don't, but it also it's like I I don't feel like the the TNA is gratuitous, right? Like there's one shot in all of what we read. I think I think where it's, it's like <laughs> where it's where there there are hard nipples in a in a thing, and then there's like a butt kind of. I don't but think it's, it's any but it's more never yeah. like. But it's never like here, like it's slain. There are nude women, right? I don't think it's any more gratuitous than, say, what Rob Liefeld's putting out in comics at this exact oh, moment in 1994, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Like, and, and this is, and that's the thing is like this feels tame by comparison to like the the objectification of the 90s. 
right? Uh, yeah. I th- well, I think because a Coca Cola ad it can get you off better than Bay Brace would. <laughs> I mean, I just think that it's sort of it's just the one place or the one of the few times in 2008 he's really doing this versus maybe some more superhero comics that I'm thinking of in this era. Oh yeah, where well, and there's thing, definitely it's- characters whose purpose basically is to stand around sexually. You know, I I feel like the the blessing and the curse is the title right like right. it's called it's such an Babe Race 2000 yeah. so you're gonna come in with preconceived notions and none of those notions are ever met i think they're kind of met i just uh, like, they are they are marginally met you're right like but I they're would, not but they're not met to like it's not tna i mean yeah it is, i would it is right. i i sorry no i i'm just saying it's not it's not like Hey, we're MTV and we're in your face counterculture shit. We're we're gonna or or Ren and Stimpy. We're gonna show. I don't know gratuitous I mean, grossness. I'll, or whatever. I'll say that I just think that it's just a big dumb strip that does yeah. what it sets out to do, and you know isn't the worst thing. And sort of because it's very simple is also is also pretty fun. I think that it's the best thing that I read this month. Oh man! All right. Let's get to it as we're at the halfway point. Let's talk about non-thrills, covers, and nerve setters. Oh, yay. I love talking about these. Yeah, Prog 884, Motorhead. John Higgins does a dread. Motorhead. Um, yeah, dreads drawn down on that mutant with the Chrysler emblem on his face. In the nerve center, Thargy reintroduces John Higgins. And there's a droid profile on Shaky Kane that involves an extended yeah. Marvel Comics-themed beach story about the death of Jack Kirby. The input page is a picture of Judge Blobby, and it seems like in Progates. Sorry, what is Blobby? Mister Blobby is a British kids' show character. Is it like a Barney thing, like a man in a suit? Yes, um, okay. but he also had a hit uh, hit single at the end of 1993. And I'll, I want to send you the music video for this, Fox. And- I. Okay. It really it really just made me have to reconsider some things about my life. Okay. Actually, I'll do it after this show, but yeah, it's yeah, terrifying. Yeah, no, please do. Also, really love the Giver ad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Giver. Well, then- for everyone who wants, like... Uh- a suit of armor that also is a symbiote. Yeah. Letters apparently say that in 878, the same letter was published twice, but we don't have the nerve centers for that scan. So I don't know. And then, yeah, the prog ends with an ad for the Giver video comic, which I guess was a comic that also came with the VHS cassette tape or Weird. it was a VHS tape that then had just like still images of a comic book you could read on it or something like that. I'm, I'm not clear. So you just pause the video and read through the. Yeah, I, I guess that's, I kind of see it. That's possible, but, like, why would but I you don't do that. I, I don't know that for sure because they're just trying to because the, the 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 UK comics industry is floundering. So they're trying to both take advantage of this oncoming anime craze and have something that's got a premium price point so they can just milk the punters, Fox. I, I mean, literally just sell the anime VHSs. I, I mean, don't. That's kind of what they're doing, but they've also got to do extra things you can get because they've got to dress it up as a comic so that's a monthly scheme, Fox, and so that they can uh, just dribble, drabble this content out to you, basically, for uh, seven pounds a pop. Prog 885, Simon Harrison draws the cast of the Sprog Prince for this goddamn Bradley cover in the Nerve Center. It. 
Stark is plugging Prague 889 hard, and we hear the results of the uh, UK Comic Art Awards, um, where 2000 AD did pretty well. Tharg announces more winners than our list on Wikipedia. A bunch of 2080 and 2080 associated folks got awards, including Judgment on Gotham and a letterer Ellie Ooh. DeVille for Best Auxiliary hey. Contributor. There's also a Judge Fred Flintstone t-shirt that you can purchase. Weird. Weird. Yes. Oh, and 12 Darth Vader models that you can win. I thought that also was strange. Yeah. Because they're like the, the it's like a model kit, so you have to put it together. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely odd. The input page is they a also, picture. Oh, they oh. also, on the same thing, they say it's a sucker-free zone. And I'm like, who from 1970 is still here? Grill suckers are getting re-upped and re-mentioned in like annuals and specials, I'll mention. So it is Dumb. sort of a concept. But also there are a lot of, of of legacy folks and people that have been around for a while, although they're they're dying off we like like issue by issue. They're they're moving on to other things. Yeah, weird that they don't want to read Bradley. Mm. The input page is a picture of a rollicking B-boy from the Mega City crew, complete with Walkman and Judge Hat, which I'd be interested in seeing in a little real life version of that, actually. <laughs> like like it's a like it's a beanie that you just you do the whole condom thing on. Yeah. So it's like it's above your head. Finally, letters ask about the logistics of the letter page, compliments and recent thrills, and demand fancy new mugs as gifts while defending Luke Kirby. Brooke 886, Death Trap. Clint Langley draws dread in a sticky waters, underwater situation. It's very good. Yeah. It's very good looking. Totally. And the Nerve Center Tharg both plugs the upcoming Slain story and sets the scene for this new uh, uh, dread story that we're talking about. Um, the input page is pictures of Judge Judges Red and Stimpy. I loved that, by the way. Yeah, As Red and Stimpy. Totally. And this letters from a rogue trooper lover. Various letters about the mug that's given out as a reward and complaints about the hexagonal, the end sign that comes to the end of thrills. Pick something. Yeah, all right. Prog887, who's laughing now? Asks the skull uh, of the clown. This Robert Bliss uh. cover. Not me. We're yeah. Even yeah. closer to that night, that Prog 889 relaunch and TV commercial, Tharg is very excited and plugs the return of Rogue Trooper and the Chips with Steve White and Henry Flint as the yeah. creative team. Honestly, I do feel like that's a better direction. Yeah, I'm interested to see it. Mid-issue, there's a review on the of Dance Floor Beats by Roxilla. Get down, I say. And on the input page, there's a picture of a baby Joe Dredd Ugly kid Joe indeed, Fox. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I ate everything about you. All right, how about that? Thank you. Because that's an Ugly Kid Joe song. I See? don't know who Ugly Kid Joe is. Some 90s rock stuff, sort of post-grunge. Like like that period that was after grunge, but before like... Um, Nine Inch Nails? Yeah, but like like before like like Limbiscuit came in with that like like oh. like like rap punk stuff. Woof. The nineties, buddy. What a time to be alive. <laughs> Letters demand oh. more rogue trooper, compliment the grudge father, a dude's girlfriend what? collects two thousand AD, and there's a grim warning that states that Tharg will overthrow the world in the year two thousand. Oh no. The prog ends with a pinup from Tharg's Thrill Archives, this time with a very angry and aggro gronk from the Strontium Dog, stories drawn by Nigel Dobbin. Everybody loves that angry gronk. 
It's okay, I guess. Anyway, speaking of aliens, people are have questions about Fox. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go to Thrill for the Clown. Let's yeah, go. I mean, we, we could do that. Yeah. Script robot Igor Goldkind, art robot Robert Bliss, Robert Bliss and Nick Percival, and Greg Staples, letting robot Annie Parkhouse. Is, is you kind like into buff clown? I feel like he's into this. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it really feels like it. And, um, I would say both he that and, and sla- like dark art, but slapstick humor is a very, like, it, I get, I can get behind it. There are parts of it that I love. Mm-hmm. And then, but like all of it that I'm like, this isn't for me. Yeah, well, I would say this is really specifically kind of making fun of uh, of the Sandman and stuff like that, and just sections in there, which has very I dark I really art. feel like making fun of Sandman, and not even in retrospect, it's like saying nothing while making fun of everything. Yeah, kind of. I don't Dumb. know, this whole thing. Anyway... Carolyn Little Girl is a little girl who was eating her morning sun ice cream sundae when the aliens attacked the diner. Detective Joe Brummer can't do anything about it, but maybe that heavily armed clown that just showed up can. The detective wonders what the clown is going to do, but when he attacks, the aliens' his weapons do nothing. When, then the clown slips on a banana peel and falls, and the aliens laugh at him and then explode. The day is Their saved. Heads explode. I can't take a joke. They laughter is the worst medicine, I guess. Well, like they said earlier, most aliens have some sort of deceptively simple Achilles heel, you know, and in this case it's laughing. Um the day might be saved, but Brummer still wants to question the clown for all those murders. The clown but instead the clown just snags his horse head Toby and Carolyn little girl jumps on his back and they run away riding him. She's riding him like a horse. The trio escapes and the cops are going to be after him because he's the only way they could possibly save the city. Also, them zombies are making their way somewhere. Who knows? Yeah, it's going to be a big old climax, I guess. There, Sorry, I was coughing. Oh, no problem. My voice is gone. Oh, geez. We're on our <sighs> way. There was a time when there was a line between good and evil, a time of heroes, but now there are no heroes, only fools. Like the class, the clown, Toby, and little girl arrive back at Mr. Miracle's house of smiles, and the clown entertains Carolyn in ways that are objectively terrifying. I mean, this is both not Pagliacci, nor is it the Commedia dell'arte. Mm. In other words, it is the Commedia del Farte. Oh, oh man. High brow fart humor. Like the fart jokes in Macbeth. <laughs> Back at the diner, they're cleaning up after the aliens, and Brummer argues they should go after the clown. But then we learn that more aliens have attacked the chopping mall. Oh no. Hey, that's a that's a film I really like, actually. Chopping is it, Mall. Is it spelled chopping like C H and Mall like M A U L? So it's it's chopping C H O P P I N G chopping uh-huh. like to to cut. Kind of I part. got it. And Mall like going to the mall with your friends. To, is like, that the one with the robots? For, yes, it's the one with the robot security guards that blow up that guy's head. It's very good. Excellent time. Chopping Chopping Mall is very very good. Man, what a life. 80s kids leave where you could break into a mall and go to a furniture store and just do it. Amazing. Well, I mean, like, well, they didn't break in. They all worked at the mall 
And so they decided to like be at the mall where they worked after hours when there wasn't going to be human security guards rolling around and just be these like robots that no one cared about. But turns out these robots had laser. Finally. <laughs> just Leader, like, yeah. again, shouldn't give like mall cops guns, shouldn't give mall cop robots laser. Honestly, very people. few people should have had exploding lasers, Fox. Very few people should have guns, Conrad. Mm, I might disagree because I'm from America. Anyway, the old man, the leader of the cops, goes to call in an airstrike. But the line is busy, so they need to take out these aliens by hand. But the clown's the only one that can do it. They need someone to persuade the clown to come help them. But who'd be that crazy? Anyway, the aliens are slaughtering folks at the mall and they need backup. And Brummer's been in the bathroom for a while, but suddenly he bursts out in full clown makeup. Oh, no. And the no. zombies are doing something. Uh, why Nick, he has a whole clown costume and the big bow tie and the fucking I, it's so weird and, and also weird. like the very clear penis and sack that they drew for this i'm just like what the hell we're doing it uh nick percival joins us on art with robert bliss and i think we're starting to see these pages remember the last three chapters of this were lost in the mail and had to be redone uh Kevin Doodle is a kid who likes to play video games, but gets zapped by aliens instead. Michael Funt is a comic book editor who doesn't like to pay people, and he gets zapped. Bailey Staninsky is a cop, and he and the old man are holding down the fort as Brummer goes to get help. That and, help being another clown. And I'll say that that opening section is a very Sandman thing. I'm just Here's a quick character sketch of a character that is not going to be overly involved in the rest of the plot. Brummer approaches the House of Smiles, and we learn that his father died in a clown suit as well. And this was sort of the events of a prequel clown story, where that was how the clown met Toby. That was in the uh, in last year's 2000 AD yearbook. If you want to check that one out, I wouldn't recommend right. it. It was moderate. Uh, okay. Brummer enters the circus and finds Little Girl, and also tries to arrest the clown, but instead gets doofed in the face. But before the clown can finish Brummer off, Little Girl says the clown has to listen to him and be nice instead of murderous. And the clown thinks it over. And the zombies head to the city instead of going to Haiti or Romeroville. LOL, get it? Like the makeup because, guy. You know, John, John well, no, Romero. but also Haiti because of... History of zombies. zombies. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Greg Staples takes over on art. And I think he's doing a pretty good job of following along to Bliss's art style here. A DJ for a metal station recaps the plot. Alien invasion, police pinned down, Brummer going to the clown for help, and also hippie zombies making their way to the city, I guess. And indeed, they've making arrived at the radio in the station. World today. It takes everything you got. Oh, no. Yeah, I know. What's that from? Cheers. Of course, where everyone knows your name. Okay. The opening part, I always forget it. Meanwhile, little girl is asking the clown to spare Brummer and Brummer to spare the clown. Um, and through being punched in the face, Brummer lays out that they need the clown to fight the aliens with laughter and asks him to save the city. Brummer starts but he fighting keeps back. keeps wanting to fight. The clown keeps wanting to fight him. Yeah. And eventually Brummer fights back, but also makes an explanation that there's some sort of kinship of a uniform between Cops and clowns I, is a statement I don't want to be on record saying, but I will sort of yeah. scratch my chin and say, hmm, uh, or sorry. Hmm. I mean, I mean, the other part is one loves funnel cakes, one loves donuts. I mean, 
all clowns are bastards? No, I mean, they're just all jokers in the end. <sighs> we live in a society. The clown goes to kill Brummer, but Carolyn splashes him with a bucket of water and de-makeuped Brummer recognizes the clown as something mysterious. Back at the yeah, shop he's, now. He's Jewish. He's got the he's got the coils. Oh my. Um, back at the chopping mall, all seems lost until the clown, Brummer, and little girl all show up. We ain't fooling around. And, and check we'll finish out our now. packages and yeah, also our bulging biceps and fucking like yeah. what is going on with this comic? It's very muscle forward, I'll say that much. Listen, I'm not against that. It's more of just when I say, but what? is going on is because I don't understand. I do think you make a point that in terms of just sort of like, here are some body parts and like things on display, there's at least as much attempt at like titillation and showing things off in the clown as there is in Babe Race, for instance. I would, I mean, in this, more detailed. I think there's some interesting uh, points and counterpoints. All I've got to say is Robert Bliss... You love the male form, and I yeah. love you for it. That's right. And but speaking of someone who hates the all the the form of all humans, Fox, we oh, go God. to Thrill Five Robo Hunter. Remember reading a comic and um, just like asking yourself, what was the point of ever reading it? Mm. Script robot Mark Miller, art robot Simon Jacob, letting robot Bunty Mayhew, insane robot slash man Dr. Robotsky as captures his former robo-hunter partner, Georgie Costello, and prepares to throw him to just the robot hordes. When suddenly there's a scream, a robot scream, Robotovsky, oh God, goes to investigate and it seems that Sam has defeat, has not just defeated the murder bot rover, but also cannibalized his robot form to make a, a big machine gun thing. And now he's going to use it to shoot Robotovsky. Oh, geez, but Rob, oh, sorry, Robotsky, but Robotsky fights back <laughs> and there's a big battle in the sewers until Sam manages to find some power lines and electrifies the water, which fries Robotsky, and then he blows him away with his gun and stuff like that. Uh, the day is safe. Sam goes to check on Georgie, but the old man still had some spunk at him, and he took out all the robots that were after him as well, and all is well that ends well until Hoagie shows up, having not called the cops, but instead just sort of ripped a phone off the wall and come back with that. Sam's so pissed off that... Tharg has to pop in and censor the acts of violence now being committed. The end of this version of Robo Hunter. It's Mark Miller's final Robo Hunter. The best thing I have to say about this Robo Mm -hmm. Hunter, right, is that uh, Simon Jacob, your version of Tharg is maybe my favorite one. Yes, Jacob's got a fun Tharg. I like his robot designs, and we'll see more of that in Armored Gideon uh, next episode from him as well. Oh, good. We get to read more... About Armored Gideon. You're going to look at it. Fox, you're going to love this Armored Gideon story. Like, to the point where I'm tempted to, like, after we record this episode, I want to send you the I want to send you the first installment of it and have you read through it and just capture your response to it, because I think you're going to be very pleased. After this? Like, after we record this episode, I'll send it to you. You don't have to record it, but I think you might might be pleased. Definitely send it to me Monday at the end of the day. (laughs) Because then I'll be brain dead horrible 
and that will be a light in my life if it is truly good because I think my god I think you will enjoy that it. that that comic I think it's got <laughs> some I think specifically like the final panel of this first installment of Armored Gideon is something that will make you armored giddy man <laughs> so hey instead of talking about something that I'll probably like Anyway, Robo Hunter will be back later this year, but it will be the what Peter the, H- the Peter Hogan Ryan Hughes version. So, like they killed Johnny Alpha Conrad. Yeah, they killed Johnny Alpha. Absolutely. And every time you would say like, "Hey, Johnny Alpha will be back," and blah blah blah, I would be like, "Oh, that's so great! I can't wait for more Wolf until Wolf died, or more Johnny Alpha until Johnny Alpha died." Like it, it, it's so great. And they're talking about fucking Robo Hunter. Like, uh, it should come back. It's gonna, yeah, it's it's coming back for a little bit, or it'll be it'll have a quick session, then maybe gone for a little bit longer. But it doesn't matter. I feel, oh God, no, it doesn't matter. Nothing matters because Bradley the Sprog Prince. Go ahead. That's right. Thrill no, hurt me, Bradley. No, literally hurt me. This you enjoy this. Like <laughs> apply apply leeches to my skin, please. Go ahead. Damn. Script robot Alan McKenzie, art robot Simon Harris, and letting robot Annie Parkhouse. Ah, oh, goddamn, it's Bradley. This one's called the Sprague Prince. Bradley's on vacation in a place called Obscuritonia, which is very scenic uh-huh. but very boring. And his parents mostly just take him to shopping malls and stuff. Yeah, no, it's it's horrible until they get abducted and get a hot, like, princess wife. Yeah, the Sprog is looking at some cans when secret agent types spot him and shove him in a sack and drive away. They dump him in front of Chancellor Sneet, who serves Crown Prince Rupert. And the prince has been kidnapped by the neighboring nation of Moldavia. So they need a double to be Crown Prince in an upcoming coronation. Do it or die. Bradley is this gets, like a dig on Moldova? Like, what is this? I think it's, they're just sort of general Eastern European. Like, these are sort of made up European country names generally. Like you might have in the Princess Diaries or any number of uh, we're talking way too much about Hallmark Channel movies, you know, where there's like this some is too much about Bradley. We lady can who works too hard at their advertising or I'm architecture s- I'm, job, and then they get I'm married so to a sorry. prince. Conrad, I'm so sorry. I don't know why you're stopping them. me. <laughs> no, no, I mean Fran Drescher in that one movie where she like met the met a prince, and then the prince eventually married her. I know I watched that exactly. Movie. So they need a double to become crown prince. Blah blah blah. Uh, he agrees, gets dressed up all fancy when suddenly this evil queen type lady arrives, the cute girl with black hair. And then later we see that this queen type is behind the kidnapping and wants to keep the prince off the throne, so orders her lackey to poison Bradley. Bradley's messing around with some cool guns in the royal armory and blows a hole in the wall to reveal that dark-haired girl from earlier. They have a nice conversation, Bradley pretending to hang himself, but actually summoning a butler and Bradley does some mean stuff to the butler, making him hop on one foot and stuff. The girl's charmed, and it seems like they're engaged to be married. Also, she's got kind of a Walter accent. Anyway, Brad requests a skateboard, and soon they're zooming around the castle. Oh, whoopit, you're such a webble. Soon, Lady Ophelia, that's her name, is dismissed by the Chancellor, who warns Brad that she might sniff out his deception, but it doesn't seem likely. That night in his room, Bradley finds a secret passage and goes to explore Candelabra in hand when he finds some kind of monster dude in there. 
Yeah, it's just the him. Yeah, it's actually Prince Rupert. He's like chained to a wall in a gimp suit, you know, man in the iron mask situation. Or Sprague in the iron mask, I wrote in my notes. Bradley frees the prince and they notice their resemblance and make their way through the tunnels, pausing to overhear the plot to poison Bradley's breakfast with the queen lady. I don't know if you ever learned her name. I missed it. The next morning, the butler queen arrives lady. with the poison repast. But the Sprogs take the poison coffee and give it to the head lackey, Mr. Pudney. He drinks the coffee and dies, or at least passes out, I guess. Moments later, the queen lady comes in and sees Pudney passed out and knows that Bradley did it. She'll expose the Chancellor's deception herself next time. Royal Wumble. The only thing that I will say positive about this is that I loved the egg tit window for Queen Lady. Totally. No, Simon Harrison draws a nice muscular lady as well, sort of, you know, in that style. Well, anorexic, I would argue. Yes, no, very thin and weird. But has arm muscles. She's clearly working out. Fair enough, yeah. And I'll mention that we're in uh, April... Of 1990 or May of 1994, and actually the whale wumble was months ago. We just had indeed uh, the closest pay per view was WrestleMania 10, which is a pretty good show, actually. Several five star matches. Conrad Fox Conrad, I must know what are your top bottom thrills in a mountain of bottoms? (laughs) (laughs) How can you truly know what is the top? Um. The only reason it's not dread is that it's not a through line, but I do want to just give special mention to literally every artist that worked on dread, but more specifically to uh, uh, Clint Langley. Ooh, you doing great work, doing great work. Like it, it is beautiful. It is to me, whatever, whatever people really consider painterly, but again, like to, show a respirator exuding bubbles in a still shot i think i would imagine is actually quite hard especially in 1990s drawing right like Mm -hmm. you didn't have your your kind of proper photoshop that you do now right so very much coming coming in but but very elementary in 94 certainly exactly so so there's there's a lot that's kind of going on here where i feel like it's very when I say painterly, I mean that it feels painted as opposed to um, airbrush, though there is kind of this airbrush aesthetic to it. it. It's very, very good. I really I really enjoyed The Enemy Below Part 2 visually. Um, but my man, my top's going to Bay Brace. Nice. Why wouldn't my top go to Bay Brace? Bay Brace, the, there's the only thing that I have to say about Bay Brace that is negative is I wish there was more Bay Brace, mm-hmm. right? Like, I, I get that they're probably doing this breakneck speed because they think it's not a good idea or whatever, and they were like, just fast forward through it. And I can imagine Mark Miller being like, well, no, but there's all of this stuff. And for the first time in a long time, I would say, why didn't you let Mark Miller explore his situation here, guys? This is good. And Anthony Williams doing a fucking uh, uh, an amazing job just stylizing all of this. Plus, like pre Google Maps, like sticking a map on where this is where they are. This is where they're going. 
uh, also they they're gonna go through <laughs> the ocean yeah <laughs> like it it's just very good babe race is very good and i wish that babe race actually existed in the dread universe mm-hmm. you know what i mean when i say yeah. that yeah i mean they've had big apocalyptic uh, races in the past and stuff like that, but not where the races are this much. Or I guess maybe that where the character when Spike's Harvey Rod was first introduced, it was kind oh, no, of like I, that. I, not quite. I I I was talking about like surfing and shit. You know what I mean? Ah, yeah. Like Babe Race feels like something that would start in a radiation based location and destroy. Like it's it would be a minor problem for all of the. Mega cities, uh huh. If that makes sense, yeah. Uh, like Bay Brace feels to me like something that that could live very well within that dread universe. I loved it. I love how it looks. Anthony Willem Williams, uh, smooch, smooch, smooch. This was very good. Uh, Mark Miller. I don't normally say this, but this was very good, and I wish there was more of it, and I wish there was uh, honestly a lot more of it because it's. It doesn't feel gratuitous while at the same time being literally gratuitous. Yeah, definitely. In all forms, in all forms of what that means. It just, uh, well, I, I guess what I mean is it doesn't feel demeaning, even though it is demeaning. <laughs> it just doesn't feel like, like the whole purpose of this is not TNA. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, it's yeah. like Death Race with that, like with it being like, hey, we're called Babe Race. And you're like, oh, it's going to be all about TNA. It's not like there are there's there's like a butt shot once in a while. And it's not even like a, oh, I it, you might see something. Ooh, it's kind of revealing. No, it's just like it's a woman sitting in a chair on a on a vehicle. It's the least sexy way of portraying most things. I, and it's just it's just action. And it feels very good. And I love it. And I can't wait to see the end of it it's very fun it it lit my life up and i just want to keep talking about it because i uh you know bradley is my bottom i oh, hate man. bradley bradley can go fuck himself uh it's honestly it's probably the best bradley Woo! that we've read you know what i mean yeah it's probably the best bradley and the only reason that i'm not saying the clown is quite literally the artistry like Greg Staples doing great work. Bliss, Robert Bliss also, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and Robert Bliss. And, and like, it's just great work. You know what I mean? The problem with Bradley is that it's Bradley. And so, Conrad, That's I have fair, to ask you, if you disagree with me, I need you to explain to me why, in as many words as I just described uh, to everything else. So what's your top and bottom thrills, buddy? Man, I don't gotta do nothing, but... I will you say will. that I, I agree you with will. you on all counts. Um, I really. Oh my God, are we were we in full solidarity? Yeah, I'm happy to put Bradley at my bottom. Don't like Bradley, uh, you know. Period. That's it's very just not fun to read, not fun to look at. Long-standing space spinner opinion. Didn't like Bradley. You know, we only had one Robo Hunter. That was very close. I'm a little bit charmed by the clown. I'll admit. So it's not in really in in I, visually intention for me. And sure, the writing's fine, but I don't think it it's elevated. That's fair. Yeah, and it's then, a mid, it's a mid range, mid to low. And me. I'd say also, Lou Kirby's kind of in the middle of the pack for me as well. Like I don't exactly. think it's really blowing me away either. I, I do of, like that. There's magic in the prog. 
yeah, I kind of like a fantasy story. I like some of this stuff. I'm, I gotta say, I think I'm really take, I'm taken out of it a little bit just by, um, Parkhouse's art, I guess. Like just that. Oh um, yeah. Like, I, I preferred Ridgeway's stuff and I thought that he had a really, a really good way of making things seem a a little bit more. stylistic way. Yeah. Just, you know, again, this, the, the eyes of terrified children and then just the creepiness of <laughs> settings and stuff like that, that I think is missing from this version of uh, Luke Kirby, I guess. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And then, I don't know. I thought Dread was okay. These seemed was like fine. Again, I thought the art, again, the art was way better than the, uh, than the stories. And this one just sort of two, one, two, one off two parters, if that makes sense. But Again, just some very interesting art stuff in here. But yeah, man, I'm really liking Babe Race. I'm thinking, you know, it's really interesting because I feel like they it, really... It's so, it's so rushed, and normally we don't like rush. You know, well, I was going to talk about that a little bit because Please. it really seems like they just kind of came into 94 with a bunch of money and just kind of said, like, hey, Mark, um... Can you just whip off some characters for us, basically? Like, just sort of give us like some six or eight issue things of just like you know of just some character studies of things you might find interesting. I mean, I feel like, like they he 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 came up with titles before he came up with stories. I think that's definitely one hundred percent possible. Stuff like the Grudge Father and Babe Race. And then I forget, was there something else? Yeah, and like cannon fodder as well. Like just like sort all of, of those, it it feels like names more than, so, sorry, please go yeah, ahead. Yeah, they just sort of like, sort of ask for some character treatments in six or six to eight issue series about these new characters from Miller. And we're sort of seeing them all sort of put it, you know, jammed out here, basically. Well, and, what's nuts is like, I feel like Grudge Father's the loser. Yeah, well, I was I was going to say, I think that there's some hits and some misses. I would say probably Cannon Fodder's the best, probably yeah, Grudge yeah, Fodder's yeah, yeah, on yeah. the bottom and Babe Races nicely in the middle of just like this real, you know, dumb, pulpy action romp, you know, and I think it's interesting. And I and also in this 94 period where we're definitely dealing with some dogs just coming in, being fun doing what it says on the tin, basically, like like just doing what you're supposed to do, getting in there, doing your job is commendable, or at least a step up from some of the other stuff we've had to deal with. And so it's definitely my, my top here. Let me, let me, let me send you something. When I, when I think of Babe Race, this is the, the image. We'll send it to you on Discord. All right. Where, where when I think, is it middle? Is it middle? Right. Or is it middle top? Ah, yes, it's this preview (laughs) image of a joy hog down in the surf and a big roided up Texas teaser about to smash your head Uh, in with a rock. It's uh, pretty solid, yeah. And 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 like, okay, sure, you have the TNA, but it's all muscles. It's all this. It's just all weird. It it it. I feel like on the surface, it's selling TNA. And it does deliver in that, like, I, would, I wouldn't I would say moderately. I would say, like, fine, right? I'd say, I mean, I'd say it, do, it does what it sets out to do with terms of having having TNA to that extent, yes. I, I, I'm just used to TNA of 2022, right? Like, so to me, it's like, hey, they've got bustiers. They've got, like, big old tiggle bitties. They've got 
revealing clothes, but I mean, these women are like they could just take my spine and fold it into multiple different ways. It just doesn't it doesn't feel like a sexy comic. Does that make sense? Mm, yeah. Yeah, I guess so. No, I, I, I definitely agree. I don't, I don't feel like it's a sexy comic. There is sex in it, but I don't feel like it's sexy. I feel like it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's how much... I feel like st- better minds than me have to make that that specific distinction. But I think there's... Listen, there there are... Uh, uh, there's anatomy on display if you want to look at it, certainly. Sure. I, I just feel like it's... It's almost not the point. <laughs> Maybe I'm trying to I'm I'm trying to push back on you from being too say, heady about say, about Bay Brace 2000. Fox. No, no, no. I said it's almost. All right. I want to I want to make sure that we're saying I'm not. You know. I I think I, I will underscore italicize and bold. For almost. me, part part of the charm of Bay Brace is that it's not too deep. It's not that deep. So I'm trying That's, to I'm trying to fight back against efforts no, 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 to no, say no. that it's that I, deep, Fox. I'm not saying it's. It's deep in any way. What I'm saying is it's transcendent because of its non-depth. <laughs> okay, buddy. It transcends non-depth to like, okay, if if you're if you're not deep in any way, you have to and you don't want to be deep. I feel like this is 10 out of 10, no depth. <laughs> May maybe. I don't know. I don't know if I, I agree with like that. I feel like it's so it's so on the surface, but not sexual. Like I, it is, but it isn't. I it's I, like I don't feel horny after reading this comic, right? Like there are Marvel comics where you can look at the cover during the '90s, and it's like, oh, this is just like they just covered up the porn parts with spandex. This is like a woman who was just eaten by three sharks is going to crush another woman with a rock. And we don't really know what the stakes are. <laughs> it's a whole thing. Yeah. Listen, I'm, I'm again, all I'm doing. That's why I love it. All I'm doing it's like, is why does this matter? All I'm doing is just, is just t- tying a rope to your ankle to keep you from floating off too far. Fox. I mostly, <gasps> so, I mostly agree with you, but there's also a lot. So going on. Per- it may be the most perfect. <laughs> See, this is what I'm. This is what I'm talking about. This is what Conrad. I'm. This is what Conrad. I'm trying to reel you in from, buddy. I don't know if that's Conrad. the case. Baybrace two thousand, maybe my lock of the century. Oh my god. Okay, we gotta go. We gotta get out of here. I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, how did can, no one love this? As always, you it's can find so perfect. Space Spinner two thousand on iTunes, Stitch, the Google Play Store, Spotify, it's so good. or our She's podcast com. I'm not stopping it's on the two thousand eighty forums or our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter page on Twitter. Rat Space Spinner two K for the other space two thousand should be there. Friends. Give us a rating review. Show's brought to you by <laughs> Steve Green, Robert Hardingham, and your friends at the 2084. And if you'd like to you join them. Head off the sh- uh, off the cliff. Help support the show. You'd real we'd appreciate it. <laughs> Check out our Patreon, patreon.com. 
there but she was show, crying about the guy like that he he revealed himself to be a guy he was she was sad about that but she kicked a woman off a cliff see in 2022 i'm having a real crisis about what pronouns to call the character of alex after they reveal themselves they. it's just yeah. they. It's anyway just they. come back next time as we finish up all of our current thrills and have a great big relaunch wait as, no yep. babe race is going away everything's ending next Prague. for how long how long is babe race going i have bad news about the future of Babe Race Fox. Well, what's that bad news? It's this is the end of Babe Race. Oh, wait. This podcast is over. It will be, there will be a Babe Race entry in the 1995 yearbook. Fox, you interested in checking out a yearbook? Fine. Think about it. Keep making this podcast. Anyway, we'll have a big relaunch as Dread and Slain travel through time. We'll start a new thrill called Mambo. Slain. Yeah, Slain. Travels through time. Well, Slane's already traveling He's through time. He's never done that before. Yeah. Fine. Let me do my end of the show. God damn it. I'm sorry. I just wanted to we'll, be a we'll start a new thrill called Mambo and begin a new adventures overall for Rogue Trooper and Armored Gideon, which I and I'm excited about this Armored Gideon story. Until can then, I, can I ask? Can I ask yeah. one thing? Mm-hmm. When you say Mambo, is it Mambo? Number one, number two. Italiano. We'll find out together. Uh, Until then, I'm Conrad X. Fox, and we are Space Spinner 2000. I love Earth Race.